Do you know how I knew your name was Doc? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? I mean, I guess I'm a pretty sick guy. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Jack Crawford sent a trainee to me. Don't put it in your pocket, it's your lucky quarter. I had a dream about this place. And then I woke up. What's up? What it do, everybody? Welcome back to Brackets and Motherfreaking B-Rolls, the podcast that brings together March Madness and movies in the best motherfreaking way possible. It's me, your host, Fly Guy Motherfreaking Ty, a.k.a. Ty. You know, I'm doing it backwards all motherfucking season. I couldn't keep going motherfreaking. I just had to let it out. Uh, go ahead and tell me who you are, my boy, sitting across from me in my computer screen. My lovely What's co-host. up, y'all boys? It's your boy. Got to blow a booger. Quattro! Wow. You know, normal people probably would have just like you said, hey, let me blow my nose right quick and then I'll do the intro. But you just said, fuck it. I'm just going to go, huh? Hey, bro, I feel like this is a very intimate show. And, you know, I wanted them to be a part of my life in that moment. Um, Well, we'll see if we have any listeners after this one, because I know if it was me, I definitely turned this dumb shit off. Like, uh-uh, this nigga did not just blow his nose <laughs> into my ear. I'm done. And then that would be the be show. Saying, you know, like, you know, really build it up and then let it go. Like, I just shot a booger out. Uh, all right, let's go. Ahead and stop t- How about we start talking about the boogie and move on? All right, blame it on the boogie. <laughs> oh my fucking goodness. Anyway, my Michael Jackson fans. <laughs> anyway, let's get back on topic. How you been, bro? How, how you doing? It's been a minute. Not really, but yeah, because uh, we're we are friends outside of the show. Sometimes, not really, but um, I've, I've been good, man. I can't complain. I've um, I've been behind this year, bro. I was on I'm on a road to 400 films this year. Mm-hmm. And I've watched 18. So, that, yo, like I'm right there with you. I, I'm not like I never said that I was gonna get 400 movies just because I feel like that is like that's obscene. Like I don't know if I'll ever be able to yeah. do that in a year. Actually, I know I feel like you could, but like you'd have to be like on that shit. But I also am like under twenty, and I'm like fuck. It's um, it's the middle of February. Like how? But I will say like it's it's because like TV or early in the year has been really like pretty. It's pretty pretty good. So mm-hmm. like I've been a lot. I've been on a TV grind the first couple of months. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure like once summer and stuff hits and stuff like that, I'll have a little more time on my hands and I'll be able to sit down and watch more movies. But because TV shows are just easy to watch, like just in passing. True. True. I'm gonna have to. I'm actually. You say TV is good. I'm actually behind on most of the stuff that's been getting talked about. I haven't seen any of Peacemaker. I haven't seen as of recording this. That is. I'm sure by the time it comes out, I'll have seen it. And I also am really behind on Boba Fett. Like that's already wrapped. Uh, but Man, you yeah. haven't been watching Following Euphoria, have you? Oh no, that's the one I've been keeping up with. Euphoria, okay. Abbott Elementary. Um. Oh, bro, that new Abbott. Bro, so funny. Uh, Young Justice is on a break, but I've been keeping up with that one too. See, that's the thing. If I get behind, that's when it's harder for me to catch yeah, up. If I'm if I'm, if I'm up to date, because Euphoria, I almost got behind on three episodes. I was like, nah, I need to nip this. Nah. But because when I get behind by at least two, I'm like, fuck. And then it's like it's a it's not a hassle to catch up, but it's like, damn. At this point, like, I get home, I'll be ready to. I'm like, all right, I will watch something before I go to bed. And then the next thing I know, it's like 11:30. I'm like, ah, I don't know if I can. Then yeah. it's like it just it don't really work out. So I, gotta, I ain't gonna stay on it, but like, yeah, that new one tonight, that shit finna be wild. Oh, you for it? Yeah, man, I'm I'm very excited for it. Very very excited. Honestly, we uh we should do this whenever we get around to having another under review episode. We should uh 
Honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to talking about Euphoria a little bit. Maybe getting uh, getting somebody on here, uh, a guest. Uh, I would love that. Why can't? Oh, there it is. Sorry. There we go. Yeah, uh, I, I'd love to have have a guest on here and uh, just shoot the shit about the past season of Euphoria because there's been a lot of there's been a lot to talk about. Uh, I haven't seen the new. I didn't rewatch the first season, but apparently a lot of people have been having problems with the way certain characters have been handled. I've been loving this season. Uh, I haven't really had too many complaints, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Today, we are here to talk about uh, Brackets of B-Roll Season 2 Psychological Thrillers. We are on Episode 5. The past four episodes, we've been working through uh, the other movies in this season. We've got 28 to start from, uh, from a French-British magazine, Marie Claire. And uh, we got this episode, Episode 6, and Episode 7. We're just going through reviewing these in uh, order of release. And then, you know, the actual tournament will begin. But uh, before we uh, get on with that, uh, actually, no, I'll save that for the end. Uh, y'all go ahead and uh, sit back, relax, and let's get into it. So first movie of the day, we got Mulholland Drive, released in 2001, directed by David Lynch, written by David Lynch, starring Naomi Watts, Laura Haring, Justin Thoreau, and Gene Bates, with a Rotten Tomato score of 84% and a critics consensus that reads... David Lynch's dreamlike and mysterious Mulholland Drive is a twisty neo-noir with an unconventional structure that features a mesmerizing performance from Naomi Watts as a woman on the dark fringes of Hollywood. Yes? May I help you? Someone is in trouble. Who are you? What are you doing in Ruth's apartment? She's letting me stay here. I'm her niece. My name's Betty. No, it's not. That's not what she said. Someone is in trouble. Something bad is happening. I'm sorry, but I don't know who you are, and- Louise. What are you doing, Louise? (laughs) Oh, Coco, I've been trying to get a hold of you since three o'clock this afternoon. That one is in my room and she won't leave. I want you to get her out. I want you to get her out now. Uh, This is Louise Bonner. I'm sure she meant well. Louise, this is Betty. This is Ruth's niece. In fact, fortunately, I was just on my way over here to see Betty. Betty's a young actress. And I was just delivering some fax pages of a scene for a big audition tomorrow. Well, here they are, honey. Thank you. Come along now, Louise. I'll take you home. Uh, I'm sorry it happens sometimes. No. Come on. No, she said it was someone else who was in trouble. Stop it, Louise. I'm taking you home. Come on. Uh, Good night, Betty. Good night. Good night. Now, we've you and I have talked about Mulholland Drive before, uh, not on the show, I don't think. I feel like it might have come up before, but you and I have talked about it before outside of the context of this. And so, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think we're a stranger. I know for a fact you're not a stranger to how I feel about it. I don't think I'm a stranger to how you feel about it. But go ahead and let the people know how you feel about Mulholland Drive, man. Mulholland Drive is a very good movie. I really enjoy it always have um nicole i always want to call her nicole kidman naomi, that's not her naomi watts naomi watts, naomi watts. <laughs> no that is not nicole kidman sorry no. i got something in my throat 
think that got it. I'm sorry, y'all. Dang, all me. these, all these damn like just bodily functions that you're doing on the mic. Just come on now. What you to do? You, you blowing your nose, and then and then you gotta clear your throat. You got some phlegm back there, man. What's up? You good, man? People hey, come to listen to us talk about movies. They don't come to hear you do dumb shit like blow your hey, nose. Hey, flu and fo. Um. Wow. So, (laughs) no, I really enjoyed this movie. It definitely, for me, um, for me, so so far, a lot of movies that we watched so far this season have been like really heavily in in the thriller side of things, or really heavily in the psychological side. And some movies have been, you know, a healthy mix of both. This one really, for me, really goes into the psychological side of things uh, more so than thriller for me, at least. Um, Just following Naomi Watts' character. Not Rita. Um, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I know it. Beth. You're close. Betty. There you go. Betty. Um, following Betty, like from the beginning of the movie, like that was my favorite part of it. Like when she started in the when she started, like coming off the plane from Canada, um, she was like bright eyed, bushy tail, like how probably most people enter like Los Angeles, Los Angeles for the first time, especially people that are like moving there. They're like, you know, starstruck, their eyes get big and like, oh my God, the big city. And then like as the movie progresses, you know, she gets to see like the movie says kind of like the oh, darker also, side. Sorry. Uh spoilers for all four of these movies up top, just saying that. Uh, you know, excuse me. I'll do my best in post to edit out any uh major spoilers, but for the sake of uh listening to this, it'd probably be better. You you'd probably be able to uh recognize and um just identify with what we're saying more if you've seen the movies, but by no means is that mandatory. Uh just keep in mind that we may or may not be doing some spoilers. So just uh be be forewarned. You have been this is your formal warning. Uh all right now go ahead. Um yeah so she's bright eyed and bushy tailed uh coming into this new city. And then as the movie progresses like uh, like the critics consensus said is like they she gets to see some of the darker sides of Hollywood and like that takes a, a significant toll on her which is kind of interesting it kind of like um reminds me of another movie in this list but um just that was one of my favorite parts of the movie and then um Rita as she is like kind of figuring things out and as she's kind of moving along in the story she as well is going through like this psychological like change, but mm-hmm. it's not as severe or as like pointed as the one Betty goes through. And that's one of the things I really like about this movie. And like this movie had so many like, I felt like warning signs along the way, like red flags or things that people would say in the film, like the beginning where the old couple is like, you're a good kid, be careful. Like that was just like, oh, all right. So then, you know, that's a little warning foreshadowing, you know, a little like, I'm a very concrete person, so I like when, like, you know, sometimes when my hand is held like that, and they're just like, hey, you better watch out. This could be important in the end. Um, but all in all, I really loved it. Um, the cinematography is always really good. I like the color. Um, it's very 2001, which is like, you know, you know that style. It's just old looking, but not like 90s, 80s old, but it's still old. Um, and then a lot of titties, so it was good. What? Uh <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, damn, <laughs> I was not expecting that one. I mean, uh, objectively true. There are indeed a lot of chesticles in well, the movie. It's fact, but it's in there. I, that's what I literally just said. Not what objectively means. No, you are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. 
Nope. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm tripping. It's that subject. Are we doing this? Are we oh, really man. doing this? We don't need to do this. They don't do Are this. Don't, don't do this. All right. Don't that's this. good. That's what I. That's what I thought. Much better. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> it was better. So, uh, um, I personally am a David Lynch uh, uh, stan. I hate using that word because you know I'm an adult. I was wondering if you were gonna go there, but because I like stand into like a word you would ever use. But yeah, honestly, I, t- I take it back. Honestly, I'm not a David Lynch stan. I like David Lynch a lot. He's one of my favorite directors. Um, his just the way his brain works uh, really appeals to me on a lot of different levels. Uh, I'm, and I think Mulholland Drive was. I think it was the third thing of his that I'd seen because I saw I saw Twin Peaks, which uh, is probably one of the greater shows to ever be made, and it uh, it revolutionized television in the early '90s. So that's that's really uh, noteworthy. Uh, and then I'd seen Blue Velvet, which is also uh, very good. Uh, and then I saw this, I think, and it blew my mind the first time I saw it uh, back in, I want to say like 2020 or something like that. And uh, it was it was fucking crazy. Like it was well, the first time I saw it, I was like, man, this is this is I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. And uh, so then I was really excited to I say all that to say I was really excited to revisit it for this podcast, uh, especially because like I just gotten the 4K re-release on uh, Criterion. So it was just it was just really all the signs are really uh, pointing towards being really excited to do this rewatch. And it did everything that I thought it would do and more. Um, I saw it. I think I rewatched it twice within the span of like three days. It was uh, just like start to finish, sat down, turned it on and just watched it just because like there's so much that goes on in it. And the history of this movie is really interesting, too, because originally it was supposed to be a, a Twin Peaks spinoff. Uh, but ABC ended up not greenlighting it to be a show for uh, I don't for whatever reason. And um, after the movie was made or just in general, it was I think uh, I think David Lynch had written uh, the first like the pilot and then no okay. one liked it. I don't know. I don't remember if they shot it. I think they did. And then I don't think ABC liked it. And then another uh, studio, I forget the name, uh, put up the money at, for him to make it a feature. So he had to go back and rework it, which is why in the movie there are some characters who um, absolutely would have been recurring characters on a mm. television show, but in the in the context of the movie, they just kind of had one off lines. Like his and, wife, probably. Uh, yeah, her and like the the pool man, the Billy Ray Cyrus pool man subplot. Mm. Um, the and the especially the cops, Robert Forrester and the other guy. Yes, those were those were absolutely going to be uh, recurring characters. And actually, there's a deleted scene um, on the Criterion that I love so much just because it feels it, it's it's really David Lynchy, and I love everything about it. It's just so uh, it's, it's just so interesting and uh, full of his mannerisms. And I have a very I like uh, I forget the name of it, but there's a style of writing uh, and storytelling that I'm a big fan of. Uh, the Coen brothers utilize it. Uh, Tarantino uses it. David Lynch uses it. Um, I think Paul Paul Thomas Anderson definitely does it as well. Uh, but and I, I I can't remember the name, so you all there. That was basically useless information. But um, I just with that with that in mind, I I loved Mahal Drive, like everything about it. And uh, I think I would say in terms of the psychological versus the thriller, I honestly feel like it was pretty it's definitely more psychological than it is thriller but i think it's both just because there are some very tense sequences 
mm-hmm. film and uh they work on a level that i uh didn't i guess readily expect um uh but just in terms of just other technical aspects the score is gorgeous uh like i love the theme for this movie and i wish that it was available uh just to download somewhere um like on streaming services that is uh and then the coloring is also excellent like i love it and it's it does have that 2001 look but it still looks really good to me mm-hmm. and and i just like ah oh, man there's so much that i love about this movie um it's like one of my all-time favorites if not i think it might it just might be my favorite movie of my all-time favorites but i can't say that with certainty really but Over yeah the it's, lighthouse yeah man it's because this one, i also haven't seen the lighthouse since like 2020 so i'm really okay. excited because that's also in the season so super excited to revisit that because i haven't okay. seen it in years so really really excited to check that one out again uh but yeah man it's just like on a on so many levels like what the movie has to say about like one the story in and of itself it's a really compelling interesting story and the twist is something that isn't necessarily original but it's done in a way that's very original and the execution of it is incredibly uh, original and it's uh, just such an overall fun time to me. Uh, and there's also, uh, it's just full of David Lynch isms and like, it's just, it, it feels like uh, his magnum opus in terms of uh, his features. Cause I mean, I, I think Twin Peaks is probably the best thing that man has ever like done, but it's a TV show and that's not really, it, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but in terms of his, uh, just his feature length films, uh, Mohan drive is like uh, far and away my favorite. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know if there's anything else like that. I want to, uh, make noteworthy. Uh, I think, I think we've gotten our thoughts out there and we don't want to ramble too much. We got to get, we got three other movies to get to. So what you giving, uh, Mulholland drive, bro. I'm gonna give it a solid nine out of 10. Nice. Oh, and I also forgot uh, the the romance aspect of the movie is also like oh. ex- exquisite. Yeah. Like it's just like that in turn. And just li- listening to David Lynch talk about that uh, is it makes it feel even more pure because it's uh, it very easily could just fall under the category of, um, you know, male gazy looking at like uh, lesbian lovers. And mm-hmm. on some level that is there and you can't really you can't divorce the movie from that perspective just because it is like the just the the context with which it was made like a yeah a, a straight white dude directed it versus uh directed two um women in a a love scene and but hearing him talk about it that scene is being being about the love more than anything and just being in mm-hmm. love and that kind of thing and honestly and again i only can speak to so much of this because i'm not a woman but i do feel that uh i really do feel that the the scene and the movie cares is a lot more interested in the love between betty and rita than uh anything else like i don't think yeah. uh, I, I think that is the driving core of it and without that uh that strength without the strength of that emotional uh, uh connection i don't think the movie would work as well uh, for me mm, absolutely and i think that's why um that, that that's just some that's something that I really really appreciate about it, and it's something that I uh, didn't realize that I was gonna um, like just rewatching the movie with that in mind. Especially the sex scene is like, oh, this is like this is more so. This feels like it's more about love than anything else, and that's really uh, to right. me that's really powerful and uh, a meaningful. Uh, I watched the um, thing about oh, it. Oh, so. sorry. 
Yeah, you're you're good. So I watched a video. I don't I, I don't think it was Looper, but it was um, I think it was one of those like reaction channels, and they were it was like lesbians reacting to lesbian scenes in movies, mm-hmm. and Mulholland Drive was on the list, and it was not received the best. But like you said, they were looking at it more from like a physical aspect and the way it was directed, uh-huh. and then like, but you're saying it's more of a like uh between the lines type of deal like yeah it, it, it's it more feels, about that love yeah it, it feels like um like especially in the like and the performances are great like uh laura harring and naomi watts are excellent and they they sell the shit out of that movie and especially that scene just the build up for it and the way the movie is super i mean it, like i said it's full of david lynchisms like it is it's always it's always heightened to a point where it's like this isn't real, but it's it's always has it never once loses its quality of uh, faithfulness to the emotion, and that's something that I really really like about David Lynch, his ability to, uh, for the most part, stay within that boundary. Like every once in a while, he might slip out of it, but uh, he's he's always really good about getting that staying right with right below that threshold of like all right this is too campy this is too stupid right into the okay like i get everything that's going on about this scene but i rambled again oh and so sorry i can't believe i totally forgot this but i watching this movie makes me feel that we made the right decision to uh, to, to watch these in release order because mm-hmm. this is a movie that i can absolutely without question point to persona or perfect blue Fact. And Fact. see and see the influences, and it's like, oh, this is why we decided to do this. This is why we decided to watch these movies from release order because, without Persona from nineteen fifty, no, nineteen sixty something, nineteen fifty six, sixty six, mm-hmm. sixty six, yeah, from nineteen sixty six, uh, we don't get Mulholland Drive of two thousand one. Like I really believe that, and yeah. there's no way of knowing that uh, for sure. But I just feels like that's the where that's a, a lot of where the ideas for this movie came from david lynch when i uh when i first saw both of those movies it was for a film class i took um a year or two ago and we had to watch persona like at the beginning like one of the last films we watched was Mulholland drive and we had to write um like a discussion about like um the two movies and like the connections between them because even then like it was seen that like okay like you were saying we, we probably don't get this without persona so Exactly. And it's an observation, young sir. Thank you, man. But uh, if it's not obvious by now, my rating for the movie is 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5 stars. Like it's bar none, one of my, or not, definitely not bar none because I have a lot of favorites, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time. But uh, let's go ahead and move on to the second movie we have today. We got No Country for Old Men, written in 2007, directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Written by Joel and Ethan Cohen, based on the novel by uh, Cormac McCarthy, starring Tommy Lee Jones, Javier Bardem, Josh Brolin, and Woody Harrelson, with a uh, 93% Rotten Tomato score and a critic's consensus that reads, boistered by powerful lead performances from Javier Bardem, Josh Brolin, and Tommy Lee Jones, No Country for Old Men finds the Cohen brothers spinning cinematic gold out of Cormac McCarthy's grim, darkly funny novel. Uncle Mac knew the score even if Aunt Ella didn't. Shot through the left lung. And that was that, as they say. When did he die? 1909? Uh, oh, I mean, was it right away or in the night or when was it? 
And I believe it was that night. She buried him the next morning, digging in that hard old caliche. What you got ain't nothing new. This country's hard on people. You can't stop what's coming. So, uh, another movie that we've both seen before, talked about before, outside of the context of this show. Uh, how, how'd you feel about it on this rewatch, bro? I'm always going to enjoy this movie. It's so good. First off, Javier Bardem, Tommy Lee Jones, Josh Brolin, Thanos. So, like, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, who? What else do you need? It's like what Wong said in Endgame. You, you, you wanted more. Like it? What more? Like we can cut it there. If they had thrown Kevin Costner in that shit, oh my gosh! This, this man is always gonna find a way to bring in Kevin Costner, bro. Tell me, Tommy Lee Jones isn't that that? I guarantee you, when they were casting that role, Kevin Costner was in talks. And I'm was, very, available or I'm Tommy very Lee glad Jones, that you know? Tommy Lee Jones is the one that got it because Tommy Lee Jones is the perfect man for this. And if Kevin, I mean, Costner yes, I agree. I don't, he, I don't he think is, Kevin Costner would have done his good job. I mean, tighten up, now. Nah, it's just Kevin. Wait a second, just because it's Kevin, don't mean he gonna do the same thing Tommy did. What you talking about? He gonna do it better. Stop the cap. Stop the point cap right period. now. Stop the fucking cap. Bruh, come on, bro. Superman's dad. Tighten up. Oh, <laughs> but. Nah, this movie is so good. And Javier Bardem's Anton Chigurh, is that how you say it, Chigurh? Yeah. <laughs> or or uh, the way Llewellyn said this shit, uh, Sugar. <laughs> Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> but she got on my damn, she gets on my nerves. I don't like her. Oh, Carla Jean? Bro, I bruh, love Carla Jean. I can't she stand so Carla funny. Jean, bro. Carla no, Jean is hilarious, bro. bro. I love I her. I thought she was crazy sitting over there in that chair. I was like. Bro, like that shit is so, like the, the that's one thing I love about the Cohen brothers, man. Every one of their movies, they're always or not everyone, but like some of the like the my favorite movies of theirs are super dark, but they're fucking hilarious. Like they have like the the sequence where uh uh Llewellyn and Carla Jean are just sitting on the couch and he's talking and they're talking to each other. That was like, funny. They're like super like they have like the energy of a couple that's been together for a really long time. They know each yeah. other really well, and they just they talk to each other like that. Like that's just so funny. Like that. There's a that shit is like it. It was where just, you going? Well, I don't know, Carla Jean. I just <laughs> and it's like it's like uh, she. Let gets me on take his... you back there and screw you. Oh my god! What? <laughs> Keep running that mouth of yours. I'm gonna take you in the back and screw you. Big talk. Keep it up. And then next scene, cut, then just lay in bed. I'm like, bro, this shit is fucking hilarious. And this, it is, oh my God. Like, that is, <sighs> that is just some, some peak comedy, in my opinion. That was, so that was some good, funny man. shit. And of course, you can't talk about old, No Country for Old Men without talking about the scene where he's talking to the clerk and he's, oh. got, he's got flipping the coin. Oh, my goodness. What's man. the most you ever mm-hmm. lost mm-hmm. in a coin toss? It's beautiful. Beautiful. But this one, like for me, what my favorite thing about this genre, about these genre of films and like just this season is the thriller aspect. Because I love sitting in a the theater or sitting watching a movie and like eyes glued, like, yo, like what is about to happen? I'm like, what is going on? And then like as Llewellyn is like running away from um, the people that are looking for the money, Anton Chigurh, Chigurh and like. Just that thrill behind that was so good. And one of the things I love about this this rewatch in particular is that 
Um, since the last time I've watched the movie, I've watched the show. It's actually starring Kevin Costner, but I've watched uh, Yellowstone, and it's based in the Midwest as well. And like this movie was, um, I don't know if it was shot in the Midwest or not, but like yeah, it's it was like, definitely Western type feels, like for it's, sure. It's, it's more like Western Texas? Southern. I think yeah, it's it's definitely Texas because like that's Texas. how they get, they get to that's how they get to Mexico so quickly. Yeah, yeah. So Texas, but that's still that western kind of feel is is you know ingrained in you know midwest and texas difference for sure but like root at the root of it, i Cowboys, see what you mean all I that see what you mean. yeah so um since then i've re- watched that show and then like i was seeing things that were like alluded to in this movie like when he like when tommy lee jones was talking about like the horses and stuff like that that like was really highlighted to me because i thought that was really cool because i could understand like what he was talking about and why what he was saying was important. I think he was talking about something about the, with the trailer or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was cool. And just, I don't know, this we watched Tommy Lee Jones' character kind of like, not got on my nerves, but I just was like, what are you doing? Because it was like, the cop would like investigate, he'd do some things, and then he would talk to Tommy Lee Jones, and then Tommy Lee Jones would sit there drinking his coffee, reading his paper, and be like, like he'll come back and he'll see all those dead bodies and that. Wow. So unprofessional. I apologize. He would come back, like, the guy would be like, yeah, we saw three dead bodies. Um, you know, they had all had holes in their heads, and it was it was pretty gruesome. And Tommy Lee Jones take a sip of his coffee and be like, yeah, looks like they all got, all three got shot in the head. Guess we better figure out who did it. would be like, Tommy, what are you, Tommy, what are you doing? <laughs> it's, I, it's funny you say that, because I, um, I think on this watch, it's, it's honestly been like a, a theme for all these movies that I've been rewatching. I think I've been, uh, every time I, now that, uh, for this season at least, it will, for most of the time when I rewatch these, I end up finding what I feel like is the best version of the movie on the rewatch. Like I get, like I unlock mm. some different understanding that I never had before. Uh, yeah. And for for this one, um, Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones, Ed Tom, which is all, like, I'm sorry, that's just a funny ass name to me. Ed Tom. It's all the goddamn money. The nigga's name is Ed Tom. Money and the drugs. Like, that shit is just hilarious to me. But (laughs) anyway, um, his character is is so representative of. I mean, and it's not necessarily. I don't know if I'd say it's subtle, but I mean, I guess you could say that's subjective. But neither here nor there. All his character uh, represents a. a fading sense of quote unquote decency, however you would mm. define that. And uh just the way he he moves about the movie. And especially and I think that's only something that like becomes clear after you've seen the movie a few times. But if you pay really close attention to him and just the way he reacts to everything, it's very much uh a man at his wits end doesn't really know what to do next. He's just kind of taking it in. He's really smart and he knows what's going on, but he just is kind of like starting to get to the point where like, all right, I don't know what the fuck to do anymore. Cause this shit is starting to get like, this, this, this shit is starting to get above me. Like I can't even, I, I, I don't even know what to do with this anymore. And so I think a lot of the times when you get sequences where um, I forget his, the officer's name, but he, the deputy, Mm-hmm. He explains what's going like he's like they they get to a scene every the the vibe that I got every time they went somewhere they were talking Ed Tom was fully aware of what was going on uh and he just was like kind of doing all of the work that the deputy did out loud in his head and so he was always right. he was always a, he was always a, uh like a couple steps ahead of the deputy because the deputy would just be talking through what's going on and Ed Tom would be just kind of sitting there just like 
uh, uh, taking the scene and just just chewing on it. And by the end of it, uh, what's his face? Like the deputy will say something and then Ed Tom would have some sort of uh, kind of uh, old man, but wise remark of like, well, basically saying, well, what you said is obvious. Now we got to now there's like something else to be going on here. And it, it's something that like I can't quite articulate. Uh, but it's just it kind of goes back into what I was saying about just the overall style of Coen Brothers movies just because of the way that they talk and or excuse me, the way that they write their characters to mm-hmm. speak and stuff like that. So there's a lot there's a lot going on in this one, a lot of uh, shit uh, deeply in, ingrained in it. But uh, I, I hope I didn't uh, derail you. I don't know if you have no. anything else to say. Um, I also really like the unceremonious nature of the movie like um Llewellyn like the way like you I thought the movie was going to be like about Llewellyn he was going to get away in the end but no like Llewellyn ends up dying like off camera too like it was so unceremonious like we've been following Josh Brolin's character Llewellyn you know throughout the whole film and then he just kind of dies and then uh the same thing like this is not as big as like Llewellyn's death but um Woody Harrelson's character which I love Woody Harrelson anything he's in He's always just amazing. I love uh, Woody Harrelson. But when he when his death, um, I thought that was crazy. And then I feel like it's up in the air. You know, you, you're not really sure, but I'm pretty sure it's like 90 percent um, that Carla Jean also gets killed by Anton Sugar. Mm-hmm. And so, like, even that death, if it was a death, is off screen. And I just really love the unceremonious nature of the movie. Yeah, I uh, there's actually I I, I used to. This rewatch, I came away. I think like I'm fully in the camp that Carla Jean was killed. Um, yeah, just because Anton, being the kind of man that he's proven to be, I I don't think he let her live. Uh, I was like, I gave my word. Like, yeah, like he's a very <laughs> he's a very principled man, and I think it would have been. Uh, I think it's safe to assume that he did end up killing her. But that is that sequence, that scene, uh, feels so uh, interesting on like on this watch, just because. Carla Jean is having a moment to like basically tear him down in a way because mm-hmm. uh, this whole time he kind of operates under the guise of it's just chance. He's just kind of doing he he is merely an arbiter of chance. He doesn't do anything out of uh, he's not a malicious man. He's just like at the at the with the gas station. He's like, hey, this is I flipped this coin. You live, you die. That's it's out of my hands. I I. He he's feigning some sense of um, some sense of uh, uh, he, that he doesn't have control of the situation, but Carla Jean calls him on it, and she calls mm-hmm. him on that bullshit. Like, nah, you just it's just the coin. Like, you're the one doing this. You're the one who you have full control. No matter how much you pretend you don't, you're the one who decides whether or not to pull that trigger uh, or do whatever it is that you do to to murder people. So uh, there's just so much in that scene. And I don't have a reading of it. I just think that it was uh, it's something that stuck out to me on this watch. Uh, but uh, I, I also am right there with you in the sense that the ceremony is death. And that's something that stuck out to me from the beginning because uh, it's a movie. It's a very submersive film. And I think the Coen brothers know that and they operate within that uh, that space of subversion often because of how uh, I think narratively interesting it can be. Um, and with what you can use that subversion to speak to uh, anything uh, larger uh but just the way that it, it's it doesn't happen the way you expect it to like you expect by this point a big showdown between you know the two main characters uh just because that's how we 
have grown to understand movies to be like through blockbusters and stuff like that. Like there's a very, mm-hmm. there's a very specific way people expect the movie to go. And then when it doesn't, it subverts your expectations. Uh, it, it catches your eye and it either upsets you or it excites you or it intrigues you or it, it affects different people in different ways. And I think that that is uh, one of the beauties of this movie. And I think one of the beauties of a lot of these uh, older movies, or not older movies that as we work through the season, um, there is a lot of, there's a lot of different aspects to them that you can read in so many different ways. Like no country for old men feels like something that uh, you could study extensively and still not really have a concrete reading on. Uh, and it's, it's just such a, that's one of the reasons why I love it so much. It's a, it's one, it's one of the things that I love so much about the movie. Like ever since it's been one of my all time favorites since the first time I seen it. And it's, it's, it still has that. And like you said, I think I'm always going to, I don't think I'm ever going to watch this and not enjoy every second of it just because start to finish. It's a well-crafted piece of uh thrilling it's a it's a thrill ride that's incredibly tense and but also in, in really smart and i think it has a lot to say um it's just a matter of tapping into it and uh reading what it means to you at your particular uh point in time as with uh, i feel like most art but um also i i really cannot leave this uh stone unturned the fact that there's no music in this it's just really Bro, the insane just, the, the the movie just really uh, uses uh, ambient noise and mm-hmm. like to just the entire time is genius. Like that is such a galaxy brain decision because the lack of music makes everything so much more tense, especially during some of the cat and mouse sequences between Sugar and uh, wow. Llewellyn. Because some of that stuff, all you hear is just like pitter patter of feet mm-hmm. or like just like breathing or something like the smallest stuff. And like a, uh, sometimes movies, what they'll do is if they're not confident enough to do it, they'll keep music on, but then they'll take it out during sequences they know it'll work. But No Country for Old Men, start to finish. Like, I don't think we hear a piece of a score until the end. And if I, I might be missing, I might be mistaken on that, but I know for a fact the movie is majority silent, like in terms of uh, score, like everything we hear is uh, obviously it's not silent. Like there's sound design and, and dialogue and stuff like that. But like in terms of like just accompaniment, like musical accompaniment, there is like little to none. And I think that is such, such, such a, a great uh, decision to make as just uh, filmmakers. But I think we've talked about this one uh, long enough. Yeah. Go ahead and uh, rate this one. What you feel about it? Let me get a... Uh... Let me get a uh, 10 out of 10. <laughs> uh, same, same. I'm right there with you, man. Two, two of my all-time favorites back-to-back. I was, I had such a great time with these, man. This is uh, real, real great stuff here. But that's enough of No Country for Old Men. Let's go ahead and move on to number uh, Although, three. Although, quick oh, what's question. Up? What's up? I, I failed to get the psychological piece of it. Uh, I think honestly, we got the thriller, but like the psychological aspect, I'm I'm a little fuzzy on. I feel like the psychological aspect comes in when you deal with a character as psychologically disturbed as Anton Sugar, because he is a psychopath through and through. Like he just is crazy. And so while where the whereas where the movie doesn't really like leave you like wait what did I just watch? Like when you watch something like Memento, it still leaves you like. In a way, and I know I think this it affects you differently, like the more watches you've had, because on this time, I was like, man, like just the psychological toll of seeing all of the different uh, gruesome and heinous crimes throughout. I just feel like mm-hmm. there's something th- I feel like there's something there. 
And I think also it has to do with the sense of like, because No Country for Old Men almost feels like a, like a, as a movie, it feels like a, um, like what an old person would say. It, uh, it feels like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, um, a homage no uh a, de- a tribute a tribute to decency and like this is what now we have shit like this going on we have a man who's running around killing people with a a, a, a oxygen air tank, compressor an air compressor and he's and we got gang war and all types of shit all this just for drugs and money and we used to live in a time where people said yes sir no ma'am all that type of stuff and now this is what we're living in this is this is no country for old men. And I think that I think that's where some of the the psychological stuff comes from. And I, I see that like it's definitely not at the forefront, but I definitely think that that's kind of where uh, some of the logic might be coming from in terms of like why you would consider this a psychological thriller. But I definitely I definitely feel comfortable labeling it that. Hmm. OK, OK. So. Moving on. Yes, sir. Moving on. We got uh, ep- movie number three of the day, Shutter Island, uh, released in 2010, directed by Martin Scorsese, written by uh, Leda Calogritis, based on the novel by Dennis Lehane, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Emily Mortimer, Mark Ruffalo, and Ben Kingsley, with a Rotten Tomato score of 68% and a critic's consensus that reads... It may not rank with Scorsese's best work, but Shutter Island's gleefully unapologetic genre thrills represent the director at his most unrestrained. So what are you really here to do, Ted? I'm gonna get the proof. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna blow the lid off this place. That's it. Wait a minute. You started asking around about Ashcliff, waiting for a chance to get out here, and then suddenly they need a US Marshal. I got lucky there was a patient escape. It was the perfect excuse. No, 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 boss. Luck doesn't work that way. The world doesn't work that way. They got an electrified fence around a septic facility. Ward C is inside a Civil War fort. A chief of staff, a ties to the OSS, funding from UAC. I mean, Jesus Christ. Everything about this place stinks of government ops. What if they wanted you here? Bullshit. You were asking questions. Bullshit. 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 We came in for Rachel Solanda. Where was one shred of evidence she even existed? There's no way they could have known I'd be assigned to this case. There's no what way. What if you were looking into them, they were looking into you? All they had to do was fake an escape to get you here, and now they have you. Now they have us both. Here, now. Oh, 68%. I knew it wasn't the most uh, loved movie, but that still seems a little lower than I was expecting. Which I don't understand, bro. Like, Shutter Island is so good. Yeah, I I think, I, I mean, I still don't understand, but I think I get, like, like I think I know why it's at a 68%, like, for the critic score, but I still don't get why? it. Why? 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 No, I, I, I think I get it. But even then, I don't get it, because I still think the movie's great. But I think I get, like, some of the complaints that, that, are, that are thrown at the movie's way. But go ahead and... Uh, Talk to talk to the people, man. How you feel about Shutter Island? It's a psychological thriller in all caps, all caps. Period. Point blank. I loved it so much. First off, Leonardo DiCaprio's performance. I mean, like, what do you do? What do you do with the guy? It's like it's like Tom Brady in the fourth, bro. He's just great. He just does what he comes to do, and I, his performance really like kept me enthralled throughout the entire film. 
And then I love the the opening sequence. They're on the boat. It kind of felt like a video game. Like you're in like um, the cinematic part of a video game. Mm, and yeah, yeah. they're on a boat and they're just like headed to the island. And like, where are we going? Well, we're headed to Shutter Island. It's a mental institution for the criminally insane. And, you know, we're going to go find out, you know, what the problems is and what's going on. We're going to blow this whole, you know, case wide open. And it's very 50s. Like it's it's weird because like, it was set in the 50s, but since they're on an island and it was a very like niche setting, like it's a mental institution, it's things going on. So there wasn't a lot of things that like pointed to, hey, it's the 50s. You definitely like in the terms of the way they were talking in the history that kind of was around and, you know, flashbacks, of course. But like in some movies, like they're set in the 50s, like they're walking around places and cities. You see old cars, old clothes, stuff like that. But in this movie, you know, everybody, you know, people were dressed as orderlies and nurses and stuff like that. So it was it almost felt like everybody was in like costume mm-hmm. instead of just like, you know, we're just in the 50s, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But um, that was really interesting. And then um, I really liked the back and forth between um, Chuck and um, Marshall. Give it to me. What's his name? Andy? Teddy Daniels. Teddy Daniels. Between Teddy Daniels and Chuck, I really like their back and forth. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, who I don't always enjoy when he when he acts. Uh, like I don't enjoy every performance of Mark Ruffalo's, but this one was actually really, really good. Um, their back and forth was really interesting. My favorite scene in the whole movie was when he ended up finding uh, Rachel in that cave like mm. during the hurricane. Mm-hmm. And she's just like talking to him and like the the movie's kind of being bust wide open he she's like um basically like you're tripping like hey, you you're like wearing their clothes like have you, you've been eating their food i hope to god you're smoking like their cigarettes and then at the same time he realizes that like oh shit like i haven't been smoking my own cigarettes it's the same time i realized like oh shit like they gave him new cigarettes when he like lost his clothes uh when they were outside during the rain and i was like man that's crazy that was my favorite scene of the whole movie and then like Pretty much for me, from then on, that's when, like, the spiral really started to happen. He really was losing his mind. And just, like, the flashbacks, speaking of losing his mind, the flashbacks, like, going back to, like, his time in World, during World War II and his time in Germany um, was so freaking well done. Like, the scene where he's, uh, like, standing in the living room holding his wife and, like, the ashes start coming around him and, like, she starts bleeding. I was like, bro, what the hell am I watching? And then um, his wife, her performance was really good too. The, what was her name? Um, that just oh, reminded actress? me. What, yeah, when you mentioned the woman, I was like, who the hell was the woman? And then I was like, oh yeah, the wife. Michelle Williams. Really? Yeah. I was also yeah. just a surprise. I was like, oh shit, that is Michelle Williams. From Venom. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think she's a lot more known for some other nah, stuff. No, nah, no, she's known for Venom. Let that be carnage specifically. That one. <laughs> oh, that's the only thing that she's known for. That's her most notable film, bro. Sure. I don't think she would agree. <laughs> I don't think she would agree, but sure. But but yeah, no, nah, she did an amazing job. And then to find out in the end, you know, what I'm not gonna spoil it because I'm gonna let y'all I'm gonna let y'all get there. But like just the the twist at the end it was amazing. I thought that was really, really cool. And then me and my friend got into a knockout drag argument yesterday about whether or not you know, X, Y, Z pertaining to Teddy Daniels' character. But all in all, man, I, I I find very little wrong with this movie. I love this movie. 
10 nice. out of 10 for me. Nice, nice. Wow. All right. Right out the gate. I um I think going back to what I was saying, I think where I where I said I see a little bit where like the criticisms come in. Uh it's just it's not uh like cause and don't get me wrong, like I love this movie. I the first time I saw it, I was fucking blown away. And every time every time I've seen it since then has been just as a just as much of a of a of a blast. But man, it's just uh, top to bottom, it's it's a really it's a really uh, interesting uh, watch, and I think I do think though, if it weren't for the performances, it wouldn't work nearly as well. Which, when I say that, sometimes I'm like, that seems like such an obvious thing, but there, it's not that obvious because like there are movies where the character, like the main character, the or the lead actor, is uh, really just kind of like tearing the part movie apart for me. Uh, but with that with that in mind. Um, I also really, really enjoyed it. Like I, there's a lot you said that I'm kind of thinking about that I, what do I want to like maybe uh, comment on? Uh, I will, I, I, uh, I think the, uh, damn, let me see. What sequence did you mention uh, that I really liked? Uh, Boat sequence? No, that one was good though. Um, Him in the uh, cave with the woman. I also like that one. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just kind of I'll move on and I'll see if it comes back to me. Uh, but what I was saying though, when I said I feel like I can see why people have the way feel the way they, feel the way that they do, the movie isn't exactly subtle in terms of what it's doing uh, with the the whole reveal and stuff. It's not they don't exact. I like, guess not like. I guess it depends on who you ask. Personally, I don't think like they hold up a sign saying, oh, this is what the twist is. But for a lot of people, they do feel that way. They do feel it's very predictable and they can see it coming um, just based on uh, if you're paying close enough attention, it is kind of obvious what's going on. Uh, but I, honestly, by the end of it, I think because on my rewatch this time, I was like, oh, I, I, I do see it. Like I do see the 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 seams. I'm starting to see the seams a little bit. The movie doesn't feel as uh, flawless as it did uh, the first couple of times uh but by the end i think just the emotional catharsis uh or maybe lack thereof depending on who you talk to uh by the end uh, honestly kind of made me forget about just how uh haphazard the way we get to the ending feels a little bit because in some aspects it does feel a little like weird it's like some of the hoops that we have to jump through to get to the end is like ah, i don't mm. know that's a that's a bit of a stretch and, it, and the mileage mileage may vary depending on the person. Like if you have a, if you're someone who's already more inclined to enjoy uh, thrillers and uh, mysteries and stuff, and you don't really, you're, you're just along for the ride. You're a lot more likely to enjoy it because that's how I am. But if you're someone who's constantly trying to pick a movie apart, trying to figure it out before it ends, um, then I could see why you wouldn't enjoy it. And it also just comes differently to different people. Like some people might just see it and be like, oh, I, I know what this is immediately. Um, but I think if for no other reason, I think my favorite aspect of it is uh, just the performances and the way that they're able to bring a real um, passion to the movie, just because without it, I don't think I'd care as much. But when we do get to the end and Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, Teddy Daniels uh, is just the, the ending in and of itself, because I'll also try to avoid spoiling it. But uh, the just by the end, I'm I've always I always feel like I've been on a journey that I was not expecting, uh, even though I am expecting it. 
Um, some of the some of the flash flashbacks I think are are great, and I think there's I just think that there's overall some decisions made uh, in terms of the way that like the the last like twenty minutes or so unfolds that I think makes it a uh, a worthwhile um, uh, uh, movie to watch. I I, I don't think because I know some people consider it a waste of time and they don't really get it. They're not they don't get it they get it and they're just like this i don't like it like it's kind of, i just don't like the the premise i don't think it's well done and i understand like those are those are those are complaints i don't necessarily agree with them but they are indeed complaints they are criticisms and i hear them uh but with that in mind i say that i wow i was that's a rambly ass sentence but like basically i still uh with that with that said i hear all those complaints criticisms i still really like the movie though personally um i feel like i just said a whole lot of nothing i like it too i I know you like it you just gave it a 10 out of 10 like that's that's how i know you like something if you if you rate it before i even ask you to like that's how i know you're really feeling something uh but yeah i think um i will say this rewatch i did see the holes a little bit more than i did the first couple times but like i said by the end i was still like just just as uh enthralled um this is indeed a psychological thriller through and through um also really interesting that it's directed by martin scorsese like it's just because it doesn't feel like him like at all um and and especially the first couple times i saw it this time i was like okay i I see it like i i see the scorsese but before i was like dude this feels like nolan like what the fuck exactly that's exactly who i would if i like didn't know who directed and i like had to make an educated guess i would have said christopher nolan Right, right. And I think uh, I, I think it's interesting that that is like a lot of people's takeaway. But on this, I think it was my third or fourth time seeing this movie. I definitely see the Nolan or the Scorsese. I'm like, oh, th- yeah, this is this is Scorsese through and through. And it does kind of feel like he's playing because he, he never makes movies like this. So he, it, it feels like he's playing in a different wheelhouse and it looks like he's having a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. doing it just through the direction and stuff like that but uh bro, i got to, he was just tired of gangsters he was like you know what bro let's just let's get fucking wild let's just do it <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and i think i'm gonna go the dialogue out of 10. sorry oh, the you're, dialogue you're, you're. is definitely very much so scorsese like there was a sequence i'm trying to remember what it was the boat scene is also a really good example of this but there was like a distinct like set of dialogue where i was like all right this sounds like scorsese Mm-hmm. This is Scorsese writing here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even though he didn't even write it, but I see what you mean. I think the way just direction the, at the very yeah, I, I see what you mean. Direction yeah. more so than writing. It, it, I, I I I get you. I'm on this, I'm on the same page as you. But gotcha. uh, I guess just to move on because I we have been rambling a bit. Eight, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eight and a half out of ten. Uh, just because the first time I saw it, I loved it, but I have kind of like started to fall off the train a little bit. Just every time I see it, but still. All that being said, it's still a phenomenal movie, uh, and it is it gets extra points because it has a big ass lighthouse in it. And if you know me, you know how big the lighthouse is. You know how big that means. You know how much that means to me. <laughs> I wish y'all could see the face Cyrus is giving me right now. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the final movie of the day, folks. We got movie number four. Black Swan, released in 2010, directed by Darren Aronofsky, written by Mark Heyman, John J. McLaughlin, and Andres Hines, starring Natalie Portman, Mila, Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis, Vincent Cassell, and Barbara Hershey, with a Rotten Tomato score of 85% and a critics' consensus that reads... 
Bracingly intense, passionate, and wildly melodramatic, Black Swan glides on Darren Aronofsky's bold direction and a bravura performance from Natalie Portman. Not so controlled. Seduces. Not just the prince, but the court, the audience, the entire world. Come on. The fuerte are like a spider spinning a web. Attack it. Attack it. Come on. It's nice that we're finally in the 2010s. We got there with the last one. We're here now. It's nice to finally be in something that was still over 10 years ago. That's so fucking weird. That yeah, weird. for real. Like, That's so fucking weird. 2010, yeah. it was 12 years ago at this point. Ah, uh, That's so weird. Anyway, crazy. Um, there's a conversation we had earlier today that concerns me. Um, and just because we've been talking about these movies for a while now, and I feel like we've gotten to the point where I'm about to get a little concerned. So I'm just, I, with, with, it's, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Cause like with, with weary, it's not as bad as I thought with the weary heart. I ask you, what did you feel about black Swan? So it's actually very funny. So this movie was the first for this, uh, season was the first time I'd ever seen this movie. Mm, okay. And so, um, for years, like when the movie came out in 2010, my mom and my older sister went to go see it when my sister came to visit uh, me in Jacksonville. Okay. And so they went to go see it, and they come back like an hour later. And so I'm like, oh, what are y'all like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and, and my, my mom is like, that movie was terrible. Like, I, that it was bad. I, we, I, wanted, I talked to the manager. I wanted a refund. And so for years, I was like, and it never it never crossed my mind to watch it again because I was like, because keep in mind, 2010 I was 10 years old, so I damn sure wasn't even allowed to watch it in the first place. So, um, for years I had never like crossed my mind to ever check it out. Like I assumed it was bad in the sense that like it was a bad movie, like bad, like Jack and Jill bad, like a bad movie. Mm-hmm. But watching it, I was like, oh, it wasn't a bad movie. It was bad in the sense my mom is uber christian like ain't playing them type of games bad so yeah like yeah this is bullshit this, this no. ain't for them nah man that is that is so fucking funny bro like i'm sitting there watching like this movie's amazing and i was like oh this watch <laughs> it's like oh duh you don't like it there's literally lesbians happening like exactly exactly that but no, this movie was amazing. And it's also funny, like Mila Kunis for me, whenever I see her like in dramatic roles, I'm like, what is, and she always does an amazing job, but it's just always just like, bro, you're like, you're Meg. Like, what, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Like, wait, you're bad moms. Wait, is she Meg? She's the voice of Meg in Family Guy. Really? Yeah. Wow, I did not think that they would have somebody so hot portraying fucking Meg like that. Oh, I mean, you gotta think when the show started, like Mila Kunis wasn't nothing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Wasn't nobody. Yeah, that's true. But, but that's still yeah, really funny. But, yeah, no, nah, she's she's definitely uh, yeah. It's, that is crazy though. Like the ugliest character is played by probably the hottest uh, actress. So. <laughs> no, dead ass though. Like that is that is fucking hilarious. But yeah, so uh, she but she always she did an amazing job, but. 
This movie was just, I've heard so much about it. I've seen clips on um, social media. And I'd like to finally get down and sit down and watch this movie beginning to end was amazing. Um, I've always been interested in kind of like the ballerina world in New York um, because like it's so, it's so prevalent. And checking this out, chef's kiss. Like people always talk about the scene where she's dancing and spinning and they're spinning the camera. That scene is amazing. Oh man, that is great. gas um and then her mother um i keep wanting to call her cora but that's definitely not her name her name was cora and another show i used to watch with her in it Mm -hmm. and now like i only know her as cora um and she plays the exact same character in the in that show as well but barbara hershey if that overbearing mom barbara hershey it is barbara Hershey. and and uh her mom's name is erica Mm -hmm. she really sold the movie for me just the way that she was like overbearing on wow, y'all, why am I so bad at names today, y'all? Like, what's going on with me? Let me, let me, this, let me see. This man, this is ridiculous, bro. They gonna, they gonna stick me. They gonna be like, bro, did he even watch it? No. Yes. Cast. Do 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 do. Nina. Wow. Nina. Wow, Nina. you was looking for her name. I was looking for Nina. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but nah, like Nina, um, her psychological, like, what would you even call it? Her psychological I'd say, turmoil. I, I'd say her uh, her psychological, like, uh, decline. Decline. And even then, that doesn't feel extreme enough because that shit is intense. Uh, I guess like maybe downfall, but like point is, it's it's a it's a downward spin. Yeah, spin. And just following that was very compelling, and like it and it was rooted in something that's probably really prevalent in like the ballerina scene anyway. Just the 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 competitiveness of that stuff, the 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 need to be perfect and get every step correctly while still holding on to the being able to showcase the the feeling of what you're doing aside from being technically sound at it. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a really interesting way to root what her actual psychological problems were. Cause like, it was never just, Oh, she's just like, you know, crazy. You know, she's just acting sporadically and doing these things for nothing. Like it's rooted in something very real based on what the things that she's already doing. Mm-hmm. I love that. And then her, the back and forth between Nina and Thomas, um, the, I don't want to call it dance instructor, but the, the dance instructor, the director, the director. Yeah. Um, it was really cool. And it was just like, it, he always told the line to where it was like, all right, this is inappropriate and you shouldn't be doing this. But he always like right at the last second, pulled it back. Like, nah, 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 give me more, like do this, be better. And it probably, you know, it very much still was like very inappropriate, but it was kind of interesting. Like in the first few scenes, for their first few interactions, he like pulled it back. He was like, ah, I'm not really gonna do anything, but just like be better. I want to see that again. Um, really cool. And also like Winona Ryder, <laughs> as oh ben. yeah yeah she did such a good job and just like um when she she basically like it was nina she was basically nina and then at the end when he's like my little princess i was like oh oh i love that like i love when movies like circle back around on themselves like that um but all in all just love this movie really enjoyed it love the cinematography um natalie portman did an amazing job um and mom this movie was good i'm sorry we're gonna have to agree to disagree (laughs) um 
Yeah, nah, this I'm right there with you, man. I saw this for the first funnily enough, I saw this for the first time. I was with ah, I can't remember who I was with, but I know I was in the presence of parents, so I had to like we had to skip we had to skip the 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 sex scene or one of them because they're they're not that many but there's a couple and so we had to skip one and it was one of those like i don't know if you ever tried watching a movie like, like that the one sex scene and then like yeah little, it's like the, little it's, other shit yeah. it's the it's the big one and it's like oh shit i don't know if you ever tried watching a movie like in the midst of parents like that but it's just like ah this is what please turn off please please go away 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 because it's super awkward and you don't want them to see what you're looking at, but you're also like, man, fuck, like I'm trying to watch the movie. So it was just, uh, the movie was great, but that was just that, I, I feel like that's a very crucial part of the movie uh, that I basically couldn't really absorb the first time I saw it. So the second time I was like, oh shit, okay. I'm like in the comfort of my own home. I'm like, I'm the only one here. I'm good. I don't, like, I, I can focus in. And uh, just the way that that scene. So you can focus, go ahead, focus. Like a Ford. Uh, we're, we're so close. Like, we're so close to the end. Why? <laughs> like, why? Like, you can't stop yourself, can you? You just, <laughs> just, just got to sit. Anyway. um, Man, this motherfucker. No. I'm not going to let him do it. I'm not going to let him. Get back on track. He's not, he not doing it to me, guys. I got it. I'm, 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 we're going we're gonna to power through. We're going to finish strong. Whoa. Move, and we're gonna move on. We're gonna fucking move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, like I mean, there's not really much I can say that you didn't already say. I feel like because uh, I think the the two things that I would praise the most about this are Natalie Portman's performance and um, the cinematography. Uh, just because the way that like a lot of this shit happens is just Darren Aronofsky. I've only seen, I think two or three of his movies, but he's a very, uh, he's a very interesting man based on what he's done. And I love his work. Like he's really, he's really interesting, uh, creative person. And his, his movies are always, uh, dripping with that kind of stuff. So with that, I always, I'm, I'm always going to have some, some level of appreciation for stuff like that. But black Swan really brings that, uh, to the forefront. And I think, the attention to detail that uh, Aronofsky was able to have just as a director really makes this movie shine. And especially because it's it's a retelling of such an iconic story that is Black Swan. And Natalie Portman's ability to play both sides of it, uh, which is both meta given the movie itself, but like also, like I don't know, it's just a, it feels like a, a, a snake eating its tail <laughs> on, in a way, like just the way that the movie kind of like is is like a, is a loop but it's um it's really really uh fantastic stuff like she's magical in the role and she's she's really disappears into it and it's impressive what she's able to do um just w- with that in mind uh what else is there that i would like to point out um uh oh uh the vincent cassell like the actor um thomas leroy he was playing the the director I like what you said about the way that he I would probably characterize it a little differently because I feel like he was being a an inappropriate director and just like an overall like bad guy, but he mm-hmm. was still able to like it was still it was weird because that there that was true, but at the same time he was also doing like getting the best out of his performers and he and in that sense he was being a good director. Like he was getting 
um, the 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 best and the most out of his the people he was like the women he was working with, but uh, the his methods of doing so were like very questionable and uh, just all around just unacceptable. But uh, Vincent Cassell plays that really well. I mean, he's a great actor, so I'm not at all surprised by that. Uh, check out La N if you haven't already. Or it's uh, it's spelled La Haine, uh, H-A-I-N-E. It's a French movie from the 90s, but it's great. Fucking great. Uh, Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis, they're both fucking awesome in this. Uh, Mila Kunis especially, she just has a real seductive seduction seductive quality to her that Absolutely. is that is really just organic and uh like endearing but also sexy and it's just she brings a lot to the role and the dynamics between her and natalie portman uh and just like the the, the chemistry that they have and the sequences that they have together are uh really really strong stuff and then by the end of it uh the way the movie ends is just heartbreaking but it's also like man this is crazy and it's just all around like a really cool, really cool movie. And I like the uh, I like what they did with some of the effects and just um, just the overall uh, experience of the film was uh, really enjoyable for me. Um, but that's enough of that. I will save any other thoughts I might have for when we get to the to the nitty gritty. We've got to pick these movies through to the tournament. But um, that's neither here nor there. We're not there yet. We still got two more episodes. But before we go ahead and wrap up this episode, what you giving Black Swan out of 10? Let me get a nine. Nice. I'm right there with you, man. We've been we've been basically neck and neck uh, samesies on the on these. So I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Nine out of 10. Black Swan is uh, fucking amazing. It's a very well put together film. Uh, but that is it for today, everybody. You know, we had these four films, some some really big, really uh, ba- some real bangers, some heaters in this in the set. Hope you all enjoyed them. If you haven't had a chance to see them, please check them out. Uh, do yourself a favor. This is some really good stuff here. Um, next episode next week, we got four new ones coming out. And just to just to let y'all know, because I know for the past few weeks, it's been just rewatches for us. Uh, for me, I've seen everything but one of the movies in the next four. And I've seen only, I've seen of those three that I've seen before, I've only seen one of them once. So I'm really excited to revisit it. Cause I have thoughts about the director. Uh, Which one have you seen once? Uh, I think I'll save it. I think I'll say, I'll, actually, no, I'll just say it. Fuck it. Uh, Ex Machina. I've only seen that once. Okay. And, same. That's, and I, that's the only one I've seen once too. And I, um, I have thoughts about Alex Garland as a director. I don't, I don't really, I don't necessarily know if I see the hype, but um, I definitely don't remember hating it, but I mean, I'm I excited. Know, definitely something I would love to rewatch it. He, he's got two movies, um, Ex Machina and Annihilation. And those are, uh, I don't know. You if like Annihilation, I thought. Nah, I don't. I'm oh. messing with talking to somebody else because I really don't like Annihilation. I think I think there's a lot of issues with Annihilation. And it's something that I'd really like to rewatch. No, I think. you like Arrival. Yes, Arrival I, is. Okay. They Arrival came out like around the same time, didn't they? Uh, kind of, sorta. I'm actually check that. Um, because I know an Arrival was like 2016. Uh, really? What? Damn. Yeah, Arrival. It, yeah, 2016. Annihilation is. 18. Uh, yeah, I think it's actually 18. Uh, yep, 2018. So they, I mean, a couple years apart. Um, but and the reason I they are kind of viewed that way because when I watched Arrival, I was like, oh, because I saw Annihilation first. I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is like a way better version of a, a, a Annihilation, uh, and it's not that because there's not like they're not the same movie at all. But like just in 
they when I saw the two, I was like, oh, these remind me of each other. And Annihilation mm. is like dog water Damn. compared to Arrival. Damn. <laughs> uh, but I'm I'd love to rewatch it. I'm really excited to rewatch Ex Machina because while I didn't I didn't like uh, Annihilation, but I did like Ex Machina. I didn't love it though. But I'm really excited to re- revisit it just because it is such a um. It is. Uh, uh, it does have a, a lot of fans, and I'm hoping that I like it more on this rewatch. Uh, and the other one that I haven't seen is The Handmaiden, which I'm super fucking excited about because Park Chan Wook yeah. as a director, I've only, I've seen Old Boy, one of the craziest movie experiences I've ever had, and uh, he's uh, as far as uh, international directors that I haven't had a chance to really get into. He is someone that has been on the top of my list for a very long time. Um, so I'm really excited to see this one, especially because. Of what I've heard about the Handmaiden, and bro, but, Get Out. Oh man, I'm ready. I'm oh so man, I honestly I haven't seen it in such a long time. I don't remember. What was it? I think I saw it last. I think I saw it a couple years ago. But I've seen Get Out a lot. Like Get yeah. Out, I've seen that one so many fucking times. Um, yeah, but we don't want to get bogged down with what's next week. Uh, really appreciate you guys for tuning in. Uh, you know you're listening to it. You know where you to find it, but. Uh, in case you don't, we're anywhere you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff. Uh, leave us five-star ratings and review on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, helps us get organic exposure, and it just makes us feel nice to see that people are enjoying with the content that we make. Uh, please share uh, us with your friends if you have anybody that you think would like just enjoy uh, what we do here, uh, what we talk about. You know, we're always happy to include to just welcome new 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 listeners and stuff like that. Uh, try to build this community. Um, where can they find you at, boss man? You can catch me on Instagram at quattro dot quattro iv with people. Wow, he forgot it. Yeah, he forgot his handle. One more time, you catch me on Instagram at quattro iv with the period between the c and the u, so it's gonna be c period u a t r o i v. You can catch me on Twitter at underscore Quattro IV. So that's underscore C U A T O R V I V T Q R S. Wow. Wow. Uh, it's going to be underscore C U A T R O I V. That's where you can catch me um, on the socials. This man folded. You hate yeah. to see it. That's tough. Well, hey, y'all can find me on the gram at flyguy.tie, two eyes and fly. And you can find me on Twitter at flyguytie7, two eyes and fly again, of course. Uh, I be on Instagram a little bit, but way more active over on Twitter. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a great tweeter. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but I think that's about it. See you guys next week. Again, really appreciate y'all for tuning in. Uh, got a lot of cool stuff. But hey, let and also let us know your thoughts. If you've seen these movies and you think we're tripping or if you uh, have your own opinions that you want to get out there, please share them. Tweet at us. Uh, comment on us on Instagram. Like, just let us fucking know. Like, just please interact. Um, but I think that's about it. So uh, without further ado, folks, brackets and B-rolls. B-rolls. B-rolls.